On New Tricks this week, we're joined by Daniel Fryer, founder of the mental health and wellbeing consultancy How To Be, and author of best-selling book The Four Thoughts That Fuck You Up and How To Fix Them. As we approach World Mental Health Day, we consider how the last 18 months have ravaged our sanity, particularly those in the hospitality sector, and what can be done by employers, staff and guests to ease the suffering and make hotel land a better place. Squirrels, it seems, hold the answer. Hello and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is our regular podcast and we are New Dog PR. I'm Emily. This is Catherine, who you can't see, but she is very much here. How are you, Catherine? I'm very super. How are you? All right. Lots to update you on. Regular viewers, listeners even will recall that last Monday I was in something of a plumbing dilemma. Hmm. Update on the plumbing dilemma for you all, because I know this is, you know, the top priority. Dino Rod are coming out today. We have spent a week trying to put things like vinegar, bicarb of soda. Mm-hmm. It's not working. No. So we've resorted no. to Dino Rod. <laughs> Uh, we've, yeah, we've, we've gone for the uh, professionals. Um, and in other news, the washing machine that was, that was on the blink, turns out it's under warranty. <laughs> Who knew? So they'll be coming out on Thursday. So hopefully by this time next week, my plumbing issues will be something of, in the midst of, 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 a, of a bad dream. We'll all be back in the game. Um, on to other matters. We have joining us today... Daniel Fryer, who is the founder uh, of the mental health and wellbeing consultancy, How To Be. Daniel, very welcome. You are very, very welcome to New Tricks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I think now we've now we've addressed the formalities. Can we switch to calling you Danny? You can. <laughs> um, and you've, you've, written, you've also written a book, which, 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 which we definitely need to talk about and we will talk about. But yep. um, as you know... Pressing matters. Uh, we like to begin this podcast with a little chat about biscuits. We may well come on to how we we in three days' time will run out of biscuits and may never eat biscuits again. So I think at this juncture we should really focus, hone in on the biscuit chat. Because um, yes. I'm not quite sure. If biscuits were rationed, which biscuits would you have? And I'm not quite sure how we're going to fill a podcast next week if no one's got any biscuits. So Danny, what is your biscuit of choice and for why? Well, I think very, very soon, following current trends, there will be a biscuit shortage. So you're going to have to scrabble for whatever biscuits you can find. You're just hyping up the biscuit shortage. I am. I'm getting Everyone can accuse me of Major, major encouraging this biscuit short, imminent biscuit shortage. Don't buy chocolate hobnobs. Leave it for me. That is my biscuit. Plenty of chocolate hobnobs. Don't worry about the chocolate hobnobs. I like all biscuits, really, but you can't go wrong with a chocolate hobnob. I also quite like a jammy dodger because it reminds me of being small and childlike. Oh, jammy dodgers. I tried to feed my child jammy dodgers the other day. He rejected them, didn't like them. I know. Every cloud, though, I then have a packet of jammy dodgers that no one else wants to eat. My childhood. Know, what can I say? Are, they still, are they still the same now as they were then? I believe, like everything else, they are much smaller than they used to be. Or maybe I just got bigger. Well, correct. Uh, I have had a number of jammy dodgers um, at children's birthday parties. See, and, uh, they are indeed either my hands are now giant, or they are very like they are in the distance. Jammy dodgers. I noted the other day um, in MS, and I don't wish to rub your rub this in your face, Catherine, but there were MS doing it. Loads, loads of petrol, so I don't mind. <laughs> MS doing entire range. With produce, I believe. Yes. yes. You can keep you can keep your MS. <laughs> 
yes, I can't help some, but somehow think that we have come out worse off in this. But um, <laughs> in the meantime, while we enjoy our four days of fuel reserve, um, yeah, M&S do a whole range of uh, sort of wannabe type biscuits. So there are, in fact, jam, not jam ring, jam, something called like not a jammy dodger because that bit will be trademarked. Jam So I feel a taste test coming on. Um, Danny, tell us about your book. Um, am I allowed to mention the title? Yes. Okay. Oh, marvellous. Um, so it's called Four Thoughts That Fuck You Up and How to Fix Them. Um, I am a psychotherapist as well as working on well-being, and uh, I use a, a form of therapy called Rational Emotive Behaviour Therapy. And um, not only is it a form of therapy, it's also a coaching tool. Um, it's also considered to be a school of thought. So it's a great way of looking at life in general in a whole new way if you pick up its core concepts. And its core concept is that it's not the stuff in life that disturbs you. It's what you are telling yourself about the stuff that's doing the disturbing. So if you are locked in patterns of thinking and feeling and acting that you don't like, but don't seem to be able to break out of, it's not the thing, it's your interpretation of the thing. Can you do it as an example based on fuel shortages? Oh, yes. Let's say that you're telling yourself, I absolutely must not run out of fuel. It's going to be an absolute nightmare if I run out of fuel. The whole world will fall apart. If I don't fall out of fuel, I have to buy fuel now. You might panic by. Mm. You might queue up in a four-hour queue for a petrol station like everybody else. But if you go, okay, I hope I don't run out of petrol, but I might. Um, I'm not going to like it if I do, but it's not the end of the world. It makes things a little bit challenging, but I'll deal with it. You might actually approach what's going on in a much calmer way. Mm. And wouldn't that be Very joyful? So, wouldn't it? Yeah. So REBT says at the core of any disturbance, there are just four types of uh, unhealthy thoughts or beliefs. The first one is a demand, um, demanding that things must happen or mustn't happen a certain way. And people who hold demands are much more likely to awfulize, to catastrophize, to blow things out of proportion. Um, so that's the second belief. The next one's known as low frustration tolerance. It's where people say things like, I can't cope, I can't stand it. And the final one, the fourth one, is all about the put downs. So you can put yourself down, I'm an idiot. You can put other people down, you're an idiot. Um, you can put things down, the government, what a bunch of idiots. So <laughs> rigid demands about stuff, catastrophizing, uh, exhibiting low frustration tolerance and putting yourself, others or things down. These are the four thoughts that fuck you up. Mm. And I shall not turn to the government anymore to blame them. Well, you can because it's their responsibility. Yeah, no, I will. REBT makes a big deal of what we call emotional responsibility. So I am responsible for how I think and how I feel and how I act by the beliefs that I hold. I'm not responsible for other people. They are responsible for themselves and the government's responsible for all the decisions they're currently making. Mm. Yes, that works for me. That works for me. Very, very good. Um, thank you for that overview. Just so we've had a bit of a time of it over the last 18 months, just a tad, just a smidge. And all the jammy dodgers in the world, sadly, are not going to make it better. Um, although they'll help significantly. Um, and the this fair sector that we call home, the, hosp the hotels and hospitality sector, has been particularly 
uh, severely ravaged. Um, Absolutely. What um, I we've it's shone a light, hasn't it, in many many ways uh, the pandemic on mental health. But thinking particularly about um, hotel land and the staff in the in the hotels, what um, what ha- what is what are some of the effects been and how are how can we best support them make it better make some change <laughs> oh that's a big question i know i as i was saying it i was just bolting on more and more to that question um, so. I, I, the, the, the short answer to that is by fundamentally changing in this country how we view people who work in hospitality mm. um, you might be onto something there yeah no. Um, I mean, for a start, we've all been coping with a crisis that's gone on for um, far too long now. And we're not meant to be in crisis mode for that long. Staying in crisis mode, it puts your body in in crisis mode. So you've got two bits to your nervous system. You've got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic side. One is known as the fight or flight, and the other one is the more calming, healing, relaxing one. Um, fight or flight response is just a short-term immediate reaction to life-threatening dangers. But life puts us in the fight or flight too often, too many times of the day. The pandemic has put us in it almost constantly. That's everybody. So that has detrimental effects to your physical and your mental health. And um, most of us, whilst we've been put in that fight or flight mode, have also lost all our normal stress-reducing and stress-coping strategies, socialising exercising, going for lovely walks outside. Well, that was banned for a very long while. Um, Whilst some people have had the stress of having to carry on working whilst dealing with that crisis, other people, the hospitality industry included, just lost that overnight. Um, And depending on how you were treated by the company that you were working for, you were furloughed. Um, and some people really did look after their staff and furlough. Some did the bare minimums and some did absolutely nothing. Um, so basically the people who worked in the hospitality industry, most of them lost their jobs overnight and then were stuck at home worrying about what the hell they were going to do to survive whilst worrying about what they were going to do to survive the pandemic. Mm, It's a lot of worry. A lot of worry, yes, which is not very conducive to your mental health. Um, on, on top of that, we have um, there's like a little cluster of symptoms that we call adjustment disorders. Um, we are creatures of comfort. We like our comfort zones. We like things to be familiar. We like to be in our little patterns. Um, if you're constantly changing things, um, we have difficulty adjusting. It's why, for instance, you know, moving house is one of the most stressful things you can do. Um, That's not fine. Um, <laughs> Adjustment. Fine, fine. Ad- if you're removal men, yeah, don't fucking exactly. turn up. Exactly. Until, until the next day. And then, go- and they said that we get up at eight in the morning. That's fine. And then go so. to breakfast immediately. But yes, yeah, yeah. so we have, we have, and some people as well are not as good as adjusting to big life changes as other people. Well, with the pandemic, uh, with all the up in, ins and outs and ups and downs of ever changing lockdown rules and, and, and protection rules, plus the big life changes to your career and, 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 and home lives, we're constantly being forced to adjust and readjust and readjust and readjust, and we're not just cut out for that at all. So there's lots and lots 
um, of micro adjustment disorders that are probably going to pile up in a few months time and present in the therapy room as big adjustment disorders. Like what, 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 what will we see? She says. Um, well, it, it, it depends on the person. Some people uh, will have a hard time adjusting and get depressed. Some people have a hard time adjusting and uh, get anxious. Some people have a hard time adjusting and just get very, very short-tempered and irritable. Other people have a hard time adjusting and turn to um, drink and drugs as a coping strategy. Um, but it's about finding out what the symptom there is that they're presenting with, but then backtracking it and finding out what caused it. So we're going to backtrack in a few months' time and find out that people just have had a hard time constantly adjusting and readjusting to life as it is at the moment. Do you think our um, our first sector is uh, understanding and acknowledging and doing things to support their staff in this capacity? So, so bear in mind, so it's obviously it's not just the staff who are um within the hotels or bars or coffee shops but the customers as well presumably are there needs to be an element of empathy of understanding that these you know people have come out of hibernation for want of a better word and are going to have you know anxieties or at the very minimum sort of caution go to go back into these venues um so what should staff be considering when they are there to welcome their guests into the hotel what kind of things should they be should be flooding their thoughts um well i think first and foremost actually the the, the environment in which you are working should be doing its best to settle the nerves of both staff and customers. So you need to have a very secure uh, and clear um, COVID policy. Um, you have to be very firm and in displaying exactly what your uh, safety your policy is for masks, uh, what your hygiene policy is. You should have hand dispensers here, there and everywhere so that you're just reassuring people that you are still taking COVID seriously because it hasn't gone away. It's still there. Um, and mm. even though, um, you know, a, a lot of us are jabbed, double jabbed, um, some of us coming up for triple jabbed, um, it's still there. Um, you can still catch it. It can still affect some people more than others. So you need to, your environment itself needs to be reassuring. And we all just need to be displaying more empathy for each other. And um, it's something we're short on. Life is so stressful. Empathy is something we all run a little short on, but we just need to be understanding. Somebody who's getting shirty with you probably isn't upset with you. There's something else because we're all running high on tension. And it's all about just accepting that whatever's kicking off is probably not about you. It's all about COVID. You can understand that. You're going through the same thing as well. And so it's just about keeping calm, displaying empathy. And even though it's eggy being on the, on the receiving end of, of somebody that's in a bad mood, it's just understanding that where that's coming from. And by the same token, if you're the customer going into that environment, you've got to understand that the staff that are serving you equally are running high on tension, equally have had enough of, of ever-changing life under lockdown and are just as stressed as you. So if they're not performing up to par, a little bit of empathy is needed there as well. As we try and adjust to what life is at the moment, just a little bit more tolerance, a little bit more understanding because we're not all in the same boat. Some of us are in luxury yachts, some of us are in leaky dinghies, but we are all in the same storm. And we're all navigating that as best we can. Oh, good Damien Barr quote there at the end. Very wise words. Um, 
do you think that there can be such a thing as too much awareness or activity around mental health can you sort of cry mental health as a yeah oh, i can't i can't 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 do that today i don't know is that am Not i just really. is that very cynical no 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 cynical? completely agree with you the pendulum can swing far too far the other way so but once upon a time we didn't talk about mental health at all far too much stigma attached to it people didn't even want to talk to healthcare professionals about their mental health just in case it appeared in their notes somewhere now, there's the, 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 a lot of work has been done. The stigma has been much reduced. People are much more happy talking about their mental health issues, but some people are using it um, not deliberately as an excuse. But going back to what I was saying earlier about emotional responsibility, um, maybe I have anxiety, maybe I have depression, but that is up to me to manage it as best I can. That is up to me to seek out support structures. That's up to me not to inflict it on other people or use it as an excuse. Again, a little bit of leeway, a little bit of empathy, and it's understanding that, okay, that sometimes I might not be as effective as I, I, I would like to be given my mental health issue. But it's also to do what I can to the best of my ability at any given time whilst managing my condition to the best of my ability rather than just saying, oh, I can't do that because of my anxiety. I can't do that because of my this. I can't do uh, that because of my thing. Otherwise, we'll just we'll be using them as exemptions and nobody will be doing anything because they go, well, I can't do that because of my depression and I can't do that because of my anger management issues. And so nobody will be doing anything. And then presumably it has somewhat of a detrimental effect on the whole, like, you know, let's, 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 re- let's reduce the stigma, let's talk about it, let's embrace it. Yeah. Um, because, because it's just then exactly, exactly as you said, the pendulum swings the other way, people use it as an excuse, tolerance reduces, it's not... It's not progressing the conversation as a whole. Yeah. Um, where does mental health fit in in terms of well-being? I'm thinking about hotels in particular and well-being offerings. Does it currently sort of sit within the menu of well-being? Should it be? Should it do more? So, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, mental health is an aspect of well-being. Well-being covers several strands but very very simplistically mental health uh, well-being covers your physical and your mental health it covers your life satisfaction levels well-being is intrinsically linked to your work-life balance and and how much one you do or do not have um so absolutely um in the hospitality industry You've got to see people and, and think of them in terms of their well-being, not just their physical well-being, but also their mental well-being, but also that, that ever-precious work-life balance. I mean, we, we have that expression, it didn't exist 20 years ago. We're all time poor. Well, what are we doing to people that they're all that time poor that they can't ever find that balance? We need to... How do you- how do you have that conversation though? Because you hear a lot of people saying oh, work-life balance, work-life balance. And the people who are saying work-life balance are often the people who are successful, um, who can say, you know, I'm taking time off from being CEO to go and spend some time in my lovely uh, villa in Gestatt. Um, and that's fine and wonderful because I've, you know, made my, paid my dues, made my bones, 
all those phrases. And yet you're expected. And certainly I've had uh, people working for me many years ago before I was much more mature and a more tremendous person than I am now. And there was certainly a feeling that they had to make their bones and they had to suffer and go through stuff that we'd all gone through and suffered and gone through as well. Um, which isn't a very generous way to look at things, but it is, particularly in the hospitality sector, a very definite mindset that you're the underneath one, so you can do the 3 a.m. shift, you can do the bins, you can have all the being shouted at. How do you persuade people to to view even the the smallest and, I don't say lowliest, because we're all equally valued individuals, obviously. Well, that, that exactly, exactly that. There's no such thing as the smallest or the, lowly, uh, the, the lowliest. We're all human beings. We're all worthwhile. We're all equal. We're all valid. The only difference between the cleaner and the CEO um, is a job title, a salary, uh, and life circumstance. But that person is as valid at the top as at the bottom. And it doesn't mean that just because you're a cleaner, you can get shouted at, you should work in the hospital the hours to the detriment of your life. Um, I mean, our, our whole working hours over here are archaic. I mean, 12-hour shifts are um, a throwback to the Industrial Revolution. Um, Eight-hour 48, you know, eight-hour days and 40-hour weeks are, are a, a throwback to a movement in, in the early 19th century that was fighting against those 12 to 16 hour shifts and um the the the, um, they come up with a slogan like eight hours rest and eight hours sleep and eight hours work and with eight hours work the notion of the 40 hour week was born and that was in like the 1890s so we have been operating according to that from then um, you only have to go back a few decades and, you know, one person went to work and the other person stayed at home and looked after the house. Looking after the house is a full-time job. The other person went to work and it was salaried. But that salary not only looked after both people, it paid the mortgage, it allowed you to run a car, um, and the person running the home was the recipient of a very generous pension package when their work-earning partner died of work stress. Now... Both people have to go out work and they're not earning enough to actually make ends meet. Um, and it doesn't mean that you should be subject to, to that stress. Everything needs to be fairer. Everything needs to be more equitable. Um, there shouldn't be such a thing as a living wage because a living wage isn't a living wage. It's, it's, just, it's a sustenance wage. It's existing when everybody should be on a flourishing wage. Oh, let's call it a flourishing wage. Mm, I like it. Do that. Um I noted on your social media um, that you had flagged that Scotland are moving to a four-day working week. Have I did I get that right? Yes. Well, they, they're going to trial it. Yes, um, and it has its detractors. Uh, mainly, people that say well, you can't get enough work done in four days, um, but you can. It's um, again going back to that notion of that, that why should we be working five days a week? Why should we be working 40 hours? And if you can get your work done in four days, if you're willing to work a little bit harder during those four days to get the benefit of the fifth day off, why not? Do you think the um, the pandemic and the sort of upheaval of that all has um, opened 
employers' eyes to more flexible working? Because as someone who has worked from home for 725 years, it was always, oh, you work from home, do you? And I had to, I got bored, quite frankly, of saying, no, yes, I do. And I sit at my desk and I do my work and it gets done and I'm very productive and successful. Thanks very much. It just got a bit tedious. Um, But I wonder whether the upheaval of the last 18 months has has, uh, made people more, individuals employee employers but also employees more aware that there are flexible and you know slightly more conducive to work-life balance and general happiness solutions out there what we found interestingly during that is what when you measure productivity productivity during the pandemic has gone up because people are lashing themselves to their oh desks. absolutely well, well not actually having a coffee having a hangout and a chit and a chat they've been sitting at their desks constantly working away so for, in terms of productivity in those industries where you're lucky enough to be able to work from home um it's been um great productivity and had horrifying for people's stress can i argue so, otherwise so i would be inclined to, yeah. to go into the office <laughs> productivity hasn't arisen because you've lashed yourself to your desk at home and set yourself this always on schedule um, studies are very very clear on the matter um, um the people who are first in Last out, don't stop brigade are incredibly costly to your whatever you're doing. Doesn't matter whether it's hospitality, finance, anything. The first in, last out, don't stop are costly. They are less productive because they're exhausted. Um, they're more prone to making big mistakes because they're exhausted. Um, they are more prone to taking time off work sick with stress because they're exhausted. Um, they will probably leave earlier, um, as in leave that job because they're exhausted. So they're costing you in terms of productivity, in terms of mistake making, and in terms of supporting when they're off sick, in terms of um, uh, retention and recruitment when they go. People who come in on time, leave on time, take regular breaks, including mornings, afternoons, and a full hour for lunch, are happier and healthier and calmer. They are more productive. They are uh, less prone to taking time off work sick with stress, less prone to making mistakes, and they are going to stay in that company longer. So they are saving you money. But our culture is to value the people that lash themselves to their desk and don't stop but they're the costly ones. You want to value the ones that know how to handle their working day appropriately. So I would argue these people that are being more productive at home are the ones that are going, okay, well, I've, I've worked for 50 minutes. I'm going to take a 10-minute break. It's lunchtime. I'm going to go for a walk outside for my prescribed one-hour exercise lockdown <laughs> per day. They're the ones that are managing it officially rather than just chaining themselves to their desk and plowing through it. We do have this bizarre connotation with busyness equals success, don't we? How are you? Oh, really busy. And what the undertone there is like, oh, I'm just so successful. My time is in demand. Wouldn't it be lovely if we got to a stage where someone said, how are you? Cracking. Work-life balance is really good. I'm a really happy person. I'm getting loads done at work. And that was then the gold star. Well, exactly. That, that, that for me is the measure of success. What did you do? Oh, nothing. Just, just sat around. I mean, look, at um, we are part of the natural world. We like to think that we're not because we've got iPhones and cars and jobs, but we are part of the natural world. So, I mean, I've, I've got a park from my living room window and it's full of, it abounds with squirrels. And when squirrels aren't foraging for food or sleeping or running away from cats or making squirrel love, they spend a lot of time just idly doing nothing. And that's what 
everything in the living world spends a lot of its time doing, idly doing nothing. We are supposed to spend vast amounts of our time idly doing nothing. Idly doing nothing is really good for your physical and mental health. But we are taught, no, 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 you can't stop, can't stop, can't stop. And we all burn out. Let's not do that. Let's be more squirrel. Um, a couple of, we are wrapping up this glorious chat and we're going to ask you the same questions, five questions that we ask to all of our podcast guests. But there are a couple of things that I think the, uh, the great podcast listener should be made aware of. And the first is that it is World Mental Health Day on the 14th of October, I believe. Um, the second is that there is a tremendous event called This Can Happen, uh, which is a virtual conference that takes place on the 16th and 17th of November. And uh, Danny, you are very much involved with that fair conference, I believed. Yes saying things out loud at the conference it's tremendous have a look on the website um and listen to danny say things out loud why not um as we wrap up this chit chat um we would like to ask you some questions are you game and ready i am both game and ready for your questions yes Tremendous. So the first one is when the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was. Could you say that again? (laughs) (laughs) I was game. I was ready. When the shutters went up. When the shutters came up and I'd had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was what did you do when you was jabbed up and you were released to run free? I run out licking. I carried on as normal because the pandemic has taught me that I'm actually really, really reclusive and quite happy pottering around on my own with my dog. So I just carried on doing that. Um, The only thing that Jeb changed to me is I felt a little bit more secure shopping at Asda. And that is a state we should all feel. Exactly. So I didn't rush out and start boozing it up in pubs and, and I can go clubbing or in restaurants. I just went, Nope, I'm carrying on being the weird recluse that I've been for the past two years. <laughs> and verily, it was good. Marvellous. I am delighted to hear it. Um, what about the next question we would like to ask you is what do you think the best thing about the hotel sector is? Well, having just stayed in a boutique hotel only recently for my own mental health and well-being, uh, I just think that the best thing about the hotel sector is that um, if they get it right, they do provide a, a little home away from home where you can just relax and forget about your cares and be pampered. Mm, Marvellous. Let's all do that then. Very nice. Um, What about making it better? So the hotel sector, I feel like we may have answered this in the course of our conversation. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if... Oh, God, if it valued its staff more and actually made more of uh, uh, making it a career for everybody rather than just this thing that you do, whether it's front of house, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's running the, 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 the bar or the restaurant, it's you need to put more value and they need to be paid more. And if you made your staff happier, that would be passed on in, in innumerable ways to your guests so your guests would have a happier experience if your staff were just happy and well and secure here here let's do that immediately um what about uh the penultimate question what the industry needs now is um it needs to i think recruit (laughs) 
<laughs> it chats a lot of people on uh, furlough. A lot of people, I think, haven't come back. Um, it needs a recruitment drive. But again, that comes back to enhancing. Come and work in hospitality. Come and work in, in hotels. This is what we do for you. Needs a damn good bit of PR as well, if you ask yeah, me. Absolutely. And finally, I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Oh, no, we haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, we have. (laughs) Um, I think it's a sad fact of life. Um, uh, Most human beings don't learn. They don't. It doesn't matter what you've just dealt with. You're just going to lurch from one mismanaged crisis to another. And that happens in a a business level. I I, very rarely have I worked for a company that hasn't learned and learned how to plan strategically going forwards. They just constantly lurch from one mismanaged crisis to another. And I just think that happens. um, I mean, globally, take the pandemic in 2016. Um, we had a dry run at this. They do, they did a big, big assessment on what would happen if a pandemic hit. And, and the assessment found that we would fail terribly at every single level. And all these things needed to be done. And the government of the day did nothing. And then the pandemic unfolded and it kicked off exactly as this assessment said it would. And we will learn nothing from this. And we will be woefully, inadequately prepared for the next one. The only thing I think that can come out of it is that people have, uh, I, some, not everybody, some people are as afraid of their jobs as they were before, but some people have learned, actually, I don't need you. And if you don't give me what I want, I can move on. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. So do I. Catherine, any closing thoughts from you? No, no, no. Just no, sit I'm smugly with- counting your fuel. Counting my fuel, enjoying my extensive array of different types of biscuits. Um, look at my, my many boxes <laughs> Had the removal men now left or are they still there somewhere? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes, they have left and it's better. It's better this way because otherwise there would have been some stress-related stabbings uh, and we don't want that. How did Spuddy enjoy the process? Spuddy enjoyed the process very much. He's asleep on my foot at the moment, although talking of, you know, animals and how they can help you in your times of stress, he did wake me up at 5.30 in the morning by crapping himself liberally all over all of the rugs in the house. So now I'm thinking, well, that's two things that I could have not moved. Is this some now. sort of like <laughs> territorial thing? That is this a dog territory? I, I don't know. No, I think it's from yesterday. He was chewing away quite vigorously on a feather that he found in the street. And I, an adjustment disorder. He has well. He's 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 purged himself now. <laughs> he has adjusted. Sleep. He has adjusted all over the roads. <laughs> oh, what a delightful way to start the day! I thought, mm. <laughs> why am I awake at five thirty? What terrible thing has happened? <laughs> and low. Oh, yes. buddy, less uh, feathers, please. Less feathers. No, you can never say he has. But he has very long ears, you see, and so it's like you know in Dumbo. When Dumbo like has to have a magic feather, and that's how he gets over all his mental health issues, relevant um, by you know. But it's a lucky feather; it can help you fly, and that he has belief in that, of course, before he has belief in himself. And this is why first buddy with his very long ears is always collecting feathers. You see, he likes to collect feathers. Mm-hmm. Belief there. So one day he will fly. Who are we to dispel that belief? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okie dokes. Um, on that cheery note, I would like to thank, let's thank Danny for his time, his wisdom, insight, 
brilliant biscuit chat, quite frankly. Um, Danny, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been very enjoyable. Please do um, have a peruse of Danny's book, which is called The Four Thoughts That Fuck You Up and available from all good booksellers and Amazon. Um, Catherine thank you thanks buddy for his anecdotes of the day Um, we hope you all enjoyed that episode please subscribe on Spotify and review on Apple Podcasts does that sound like I know what I'm talking about sort of there is something that people do yeah things you can do we learned the other day that people listen to this in Australia ooh amazing Oh, no. yeah. Global PR, we are global. You can get the book in Australia. Mm. Brilliant. Um, thank you all for your listening ears, and we will please do join us again next time. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time. <laughs>